following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you've joined us today. The times we live in are very, very serious. I see things happening both at a federal and a state level all across this nation that will literally shred the Constitution and take the freedom that we have known in America and put it in the trash heap. I look at the modern church, and I see on every hand that we have turned to utter shallowness, that we've turned to foolishness. I was recently with a group of several men, young men, professional, all committed Christians, and I stood in their midst and was dumbfounded by their conversation. They spoke about sporting figures as though they knew them personally. They could give all of the stats for each individual, give personal judgments about their professional capacity and how well they would do in the coming games. Season tickets. You know, I listened to all of this And my heart broke. There was no fear of God in their hearts. There was no hunger in their spirit for Jesus. They have made their home here in America. They're not on a pilgrimage. They're not on a journey. They're here consuming all of the wonderful good life of America, making good money while they do it, Life is wonderful for them. I'm terrified. That wonderful life is about to end. America is slowly dying. God's judgments are coming upon this nation. And where will we stand? And where are you in the journey today? I was praying this morning in the early hours about the children of Israel in captivity. I was thinking about their slavery, the bitterness of their labor. Their baby boys were supposed to be killed, thrown into the crocodiles in the Nile River. And then Moses came, and he said, God is concerned about you. And they rejoiced. God brought his judgments, and those judgments in the beginning fell both on God's people and on Pharaoh's people. They had to fall on God's people in order to make them so uncomfortable in their slavery that they would want to escape. 
I was wondering today what kind of judgments God will have to bring on his people to make them desire Cana land, to make them risk going out into the wilderness, to make them risk making this pilgrimage that I've been sharing with you toward that celestial city. I've been reading to you from the book Pilgrim's Progress, Someone asked me this morning, who was John Bunyan? Well, John Bunyan was really nobody. He lived in the 1600s. He was a tinker. That means a very lowly position where he went house to house and asked the lady of the house if she needed to repair any of her pots and pans. It was hard and dirty work. And that's how he made his living. And then on the side, he preached the gospel of Jesus. He had very little education. He was not considered someone of importance in that day. He had no standing in that day. Then he was finally sent to prison because of his preaching. He was there for 12 years. One wife divorced him. No, I believe she died. One wife died, and then he remarried, and that wife lost their child because she was so overwrought with sorrow when he was sent back to prison. Well, it was in prison that he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. And that's what I've been sharing with you. It is considered by scholars to be the number one allegory in the English language. It used to be required reading in the public school system. Today, of course, it's been cast aside. It was published originally in 1678, and it has been considered second only to the Bible through the years in popularity and in number of copies sold. I'm reading to you from an edited copy by C.J. Lovick, and it's published by Crossway Publishers, and it's a copyrighted material, and so I'm reading it by permission of Crossway Publishers. It's the story of Christian as he makes his way out of the city of destruction and begins this long pilgrimage toward the celestial city. And the book talks about those things that he meets in this journey. Immediately as he begins his journey, he falls into the slaw of despond You understand why. Because when a man begins to get serious about Jesus, conviction begins to come upon his heart. And that conviction can sometimes turn into utter despair and hopelessness. When we really begin to see the wickedness of our hearts, we tremble before God. For we know that our salvation is only by grace. We are not worthy of salvation. But by grace, it is granted to us 
And then we move on to the cross after we've entered the narrow gate. And there the burden of sin is cut away from us. And we walk free of all known sin with no known rebellion in our heart against the Most High. This is important because in the modern church, the teaching is you will always sin against God and you can never have the victory over your sin. They say maybe sometime when you die, you'll be changed into the likeness of Christ. Of course, this is a gospel only for the modern age. It's not the gospel that John Bunyan believed, and he was a Reformed Baptist. A great difference today between the Reformed Baptist of John the Baptist's day and the Baptist of today with the cheap gospel of eternal salvation. But let's get right into it. You're welcome to go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. We're streaming live. And you're welcome to shoot me an email at pastorray at nationalprayerchapel.com. And I also want to invite you to come and worship with us on Easter Sunday. I, again, recognize that Easter is not a Christian holiday. It's a pagan holiday. Easter means Ishtar, a false goddess. But we do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this Sunday we'll be celebrating that resurrection and speaking about what it means for Jesus to have gone to the cross. So we welcome you to come and fellowship with us. For directions, you're welcome to go to nationalprayerchapel.com and Click on the link that says About Us, and you'll find there a map and times of service. And we would love to have you come and fellowship with us. Let's begin on page 113 today of Pilgrim's Progress. Talkative has become their companion. And Talkative is the son of Mr. Saywell. He lives in Pratting Row, and Christian is not well impressed with him. He knew him back in the wicked city of destruction. Let me begin reading as Christian begins to speak. He says, This man travels with any company and talks of everything. He is now talking with you, so he He will talk even about religion while he's drinking at the pub. But the more he drinks, the more he'll talk. Because true religion has no place in his heart, no place in his home or his conversation. He is all talk. And his religion is to make noise with his mouth. Really, said Faithful, then I have been greatly deceived by this man. Well, yes, you may be sure of it, Christian asserted. Remember the proverb, they say and do not, but the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. He'll talk of prayer and repentance, of faith, of the new birth, but he only knows how to talk about them. I've been with his family. I've observed him both at home and abroad. 
and I know that what I say about him is the truth. His house is empty of true faith in Christ, as empty as the white of an egg is without flavor. In his house there's no prayer and no sign of repentance for sin. The ox of the field, in his own way, serves God far better than he does. He is a stain and a reproach and a shame to true religion. No one who knows him has a good word to say about him. The common people who know him say that he is a saint abroad but a devil at home. His poor family knows what a tyrant he is. He's rude and raving at the slightest provocation and so utterly unreasonable with his servants that they do not know what to say to him. Men who have any financial dealing with him say that it's better to deal with a known cheat than with him. This man talkative is worse than a cheat and far surpasses the worst criminal in his ability to beguile and defraud. To make matters worse, he brings up his sons to follow in his footsteps. If he sees in his own children even the slightest tendency toward a tender conscience, he calls them fools and blockheads. He discourages it every way he can and makes a mockery of them before others. It's my opinion that by his wicked life, He's caused many to stumble and fall, and unless God prevents it, he will be the ruin of many more. Well, my brother, Faithful said, I'm inclined to believe you not only because you know him, but because I cannot imagine that you would say these things slanderously or falsely out of ill will, but only because this warning is true. And Christian went on, Had I just met him, I might have shared your good opinion of this man. Had I received a bad report about talkative from those who are the enemies of true religion. As often happens when evil men speak of faithful men, I would have considered those reports slanderous. But based on my own knowledge of the man and the reports of good men who are ashamed of him and his company, I can assure you that he's as guilty as I am reporting. Well, I can see that saying and doing are two different things, Faithful said. I'll be more careful to observe the difference in the future. Christian solemnly stated, There are two different things indeed. As diverse as the soul and the body, for just as the body without the soul is a lifeless carcass, so also is saying without doing. The soul of religion is the practiced, working part. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Talkative is not aware of this truth. He thinks that hearing and talking will make him a good Christian. And so he deceives his own soul by hearing God's word is indeed sown in our hearts, but talking alone in response to that word is not enough to prove 
that the seed is bearing fruit in our lives. Let us be very certain that at the day of doom, men will be judged according to their fruits. No one will be asked, did you believe? But instead, were you, were you doers, not just talkers? Accordingly, they will be judged. The end of the world is compared to a harvest, the harvest of our souls. As you know, men at harvest time are only interested in fruit. This doesn't mean that we can believe anything false or or true, but that true faith will bear fruit. Far from it, but I say this to show you how insignificant the profession of talkative will be on that final day of judgment. And Faithful added, This brings to my mind what Moses said when he described the beast that is clean. The clean beast is one that parts both the hoof and chews the cud. Not the beast that is only one or the other. The hare chews the cud but is still unclean because it does not part the hoof. This truly resembles talkative who chews upon the word as he seeks knowledge, but he doesn't divide at the hoof. That is, he does not part with the way of sinners. Just like the hare, he has the foot of an unclean dog or bear and is therefore unclean. I want to stop and just ask the question, are you related to Mr. Talkative? Do you talk the talk and walk the walk? Have you given up all hopes of ambition in this world? Have you given up your money to Jesus Christ? Have you given up your time and your energy? Or do you still have your own full life with Jesus added to it? Are you a talker? unclean before Jesus? Many of you have been taught that in the last day, the only question will be, have you believed? Have you believed in Jesus as your Savior? And then you believe that you're saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We're going to be judged on what we've done, not on what we've believed. If we believe in Jesus Christ, our lives will be crucified with him, we will be sacrificed with him, and our life will be lived by grace in the mighty power of the blood of Jesus. But if that part is not done, then to say I am saved is to be the son of Mr. Talkative. Let's go back. As far as I know, you have declared the true sense of the gospel text, Christian affirmed. And I will add one more thing. Paul calls some men, those who are great talkers, sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. That is, as he explains in another place, things without life giving sound. These men are without life. 
without the true faith and grace of the gospel, even though their talk sounds like the tongue of a voice or of an angel. Consequently, these men, who will never dwell in the kingdom of heaven among those who are the children of life, Faithful said, well, I was not fond of his company when we first conversed, but now I'm sick of it. What shall we do to get rid of him? Well, take my advice and do as I tell you, and you will find that he will soon seek other company. He will become sick of you unless God touches his heart and changes it. And I just want to say to you, I'm glad you're listening to this broadcast. But the time will come when you're either going to have to begin to walk in obedience or you'll become very angry with this broadcast and you'll become sick of hearing about Pilgrim. So where are you today? Is there conviction settling in your soul that you must get serious with Jesus? I pray that's the case. Faithful asks, What would you have me do? And Christian answered, Go to him and enter into some serious discourse about the power of religion, which he will quickly affirm, I assure you. Then ask him plainly whether this power is something that is truly working out in his heart and in his home, and in his behavior. So Faithful stepped back over to where Talkative was walking and began to converse with him. How are you doing? he asked. Oh, very well, thank you, Talkative replied. I thought we should have had a great deal of talk by now. Faithful offered, If you would like, we will continue our conversation. And when we last spoke, you left it to me to pose a topic for discussion. Here is my question. How does the saving grace of God make itself known when it is in the heart of man? Let's stop. How would you answer that question? What would be your answer to faithful? How does the saving grace of God make itself known when it is in the heart of man. Uh, the, the question causes me to think about a passage of Scripture in the book of Titus, where it says that grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So if, if the grace in your heart does not teach you to say no to ungodliness, then it's not God's grace. Well, I see, Talkative stated, you want to talk about the power of things. Well, that's a very good question, and I'll be happy to answer you. I will make my answer brief and to the point. First, where the grace of God is at work in the heart, it causes there to be a great outcry against sin. Secondly, and faithful interrupted him and said, no, no, wait a minute. Let's consider your points one at a time. I think 
you should have said, it makes itself known by inclining the soul to abhor its sin. You see what Talkative says, first, where the grace of God is at work in the heart, it causes there to be a great outcry against sin, against another man's sin. That's what Talkative is saying. But Faithful is saying, wait a minute, I think you should have said it makes itself known by inclining the soul to abhor its sin. Remember I shared with you out of the Welsh revival, Evan Roberts, first principle was confess all known sin, your sin, not somebody else's sin. Well, I see talkative stated, you you want to talk about the power of things. Yes, talkative wants to talk about concepts and ideas. He doesn't want to talk about the reality of sin in his life where he is wantonly choosing to walk in darkness. He doesn't hate his sin. He loves his sin. But he's eager to speak against the sin in another man's life. Let's continue. What is the difference between crying out, this is talkative, what is the difference between crying out against and abhorring sin? Faithful answered, there's a great deal of difference. A man may cry out against sin out of principle, but he cannot abhor it unless he has God's own antipathy against it. For instance, I have seen many cry out against sin in the pulpit who yet abide it well enough in their own heart and in their own home and in the manner of their living. Potiphar's wife cried out against Joseph with a loud voice as if she were holy, yet she would gladly, despite her cries to the contrary, commit adultery with him. Some cry out against sin as a mother cries out against her child when she calls her good-for-nothing and naughty girl and then smothers this good-for-nothing and naughty girl with hugs and kisses. I think, said Talkative, you're trying to trip me up with details. Faithful responded, No, I'm only trying to set things right. But what is the second way in which a work of grace makes itself known in the heart of man? Talkative said, Great knowledge of gospel gospel mysteries. Faithful countered, This sign should have been first, but first or last, it's also false. For knowledge, even great knowledge, may be obtained in the mysteries of the gospel without a work of grace in the soul. The truth is that a man can have an abundance of knowledge and still be nothing, and so consequently, no child of God. I want to say one thing further out of my own experience. I've seen many pagans gladly attend church 
even be the founding members of a congregation, yea, even be the pastor of a congregation, and yet they are pure pagan in their heart. They love the things of darkness. They love the sporting activities of the world. They love all of the all of the things that Satan would provide for pleasure, the Xbox, the video games, everything that Satan has to offer at the clubs, at the movies, utter violence, darkness, uncleanness. And yet they say, I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus. Well, the devil believes in Jesus. The devil understands the scriptures. He has a complete knowledge. He can even quote them by memory to you. But he is not a follower of Jesus. This presents a very difficult time. How do you know the difference between a pagan who calls himself a Christian and a real Christian? We're going to talk about that now as we continue with this reading. When Christ asked, Do you not know all these things? And the disciples answered, Yes. He added, Blessed are you if you do them. He did not pronounce a blessing for knowing, but for doing. For there is a knowledge that is not connected with doing. He that knows his master's will and does not do it. A man may know like an angel and yet not be a Christian. Therefore, the point you make is not true. Indeed, to know is something that pleases talkers and boasters, but to do is that which pleases God. Not that the heart can be good without knowledge, For without knowledge, the heart is empty. But there are two kinds of knowledge. First is alone in its bare speculation of things. And the second is accompanied by the grace of faith and love, which causes a man to do the will of God from the heart. The first kind of knowledge will serve the talker. But a true Christian will not be content until his knowledge results in sincere works that please God. Give me understanding, and I shall keep the law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Talkative protested. You're trying to trap me again. This is not edifying. Well, then tell me another way in which the saving grace of God makes itself known when in the heart of a man faithful challenged. Not I, for I see you will not agree with me. Well, if you will not, may I have the permission to do so? You are free to say whatever you want, Talkative said. You can see already that Talkative is growing angry because the questions are probing and close. And I would ask you, Are you filled with blind ambition? One dear man waited upon God, waited upon God, and finally reached a certain age where he said, I guess God's never going to answer. I've got to go start my own deal. 
wrong. All Jesus wanted was for that man to minister to his people and minister to Jesus and be humble of heart. But he had a pagan heart. Do you see this issue is so large? Is the grace of God working in your heart and turning you against sin? Do you hate your sin? Our telephone number is 877-534-0780. Let me give that number one more time. 877-534-0780. I would very much enjoy hearing from you today regarding the work of grace in your heart. What progress are you making on this pilgrim way? Or are you one who has been like talkative, enjoying all the things of the world, talking a good game, but you know in your private personal life you're not a follower of Jesus? As young one, one young woman who came to the National Prayer Chapel proclaiming what a wonderful Christian she was, letting everyone know with wise words that she was a follower of Jesus Christ, It was shortly after that, as she was confronted, that she became upset with what was being said at the National Prayer Chapel, and she fled. And it was only a short time later I looked on her Facebook page and saw her dressed like a heathen, a pagan. And then word came that she was pregnant, out of wedlock. It was obvious she was living a private life that had nothing to do with following Jesus Christ. She wasn't even a Christian. She was a pagan, a a daughter of Mr. Talkative. Where are you in this journey? Do you have integrity in the innermost places? Now, I'm going to wait for your phone calls, but while I wait, I'm going to play a piece of music Uh, Eric gave me a wonderful suggestion yesterday. He said, no, you can't just be silent on the air, but you could play some of Scott Wesley Brown's music. I thought that was one of the best ideas I have heard. So, Scott, or uh, Eric, this is thank you to you. Um, I want to play a Scott Wesley Brown song. It's the one we open this broadcast with. And as it plays, I invite you to call. 877-534-0780, the name of the song is And Then the Red Sea Parted. Dark forces came behind To the left and right the desert Brought panic to their minds The evil of that hour Was stronger than the sun That beat on them with nowhere left to run The chariots of Egypt Drew nearer as they cried 
afraid Yet Moses stood there calmly With a fearless faith inside He said there is a power Far greater than the sword Stand still and you will witness A mighty salvation from our Lord And then the Red Sea parted For now there was a way To enter in rejoicing To victory that day Yes, then the Red Sea parted At last they could go free With Pharaoh's army buried in the sea me and it told its finest lies making all the darker pleasures so pleasant to my eyes I knew a lack of praise had led me to that hour standing there surrounded by sin's power yet the terror of those moments began to fade away as my heart recalled God's mercies are all new every day and my spirit took its armor as my lips took up the sword light broke through the darkness a mighty salvation from our
The number is 877-534-0780. That was a piece by Scott Wesley Brown. And then the Red Sea parted. You recognized it as the intro to the broadcast each day. Has the Red Sea parted for you? Are you making progress in this journey toward heaven? What progress are you making? Does this sound strange to your ears, or are you on this journey? Are you making your way carefully and thoughtfully, abhorring your sin, hating it, turning aside from it, and seeking after Jesus? It's time for the cheap talk to be passed. It's time to no longer prattle about God is good. My heart is just grieved as I hear people say, oh, God is good. I wonder what they're going to say when the full judgments of God come upon America. Will they say God is good then? As this nation is destroyed for its wickedness before God, even as Sodom and Gomorrah was was burned for its wickedness, we have far surpassed Sodom and Gomorrah's wickedness. So you're welcome to call. I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear praise reports of victory over sin and walking with Jesus. Or I'd like to hear from some of you who are not even followers of Jesus Christ, who are interested in following him, who would like to know more about how to do that. I'd like to hear from some of you who know you're walking in sin and you'd like to be prayed for. You'd like to be free of the bondage of sin over your heart. You'd like to walk clean before him. Today, if you know you love your sin and you're under conviction, the old-timers called it the mourner's bench. It's where you would go and sit and wait while the Holy Spirit searched your heart and exposed everything of uncleanness. Our phone number again is 877-534-0780. You're welcome to call and share where you're at in the journey. I'm going to go back to a faith beyond words. Um, You're welcome to call. I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear some testimonies of grace to encourage my heart that, that you're there and that you're growing in God's grace. So faithful, he begins, a work of grace in the soul makes itself known either to the one who has it or to onlookers. When God's grace is truly at work, it produces conviction of sin as the converted soul becomes aware of the defilement of his nature and the sin of unbelief, a sin that he now knows with certainty will send him to hell unless he finds mercy at God's hand by faith in Jesus Christ. 
this new awakening of the soul works in him to produce sorrow and shame for sin. But that is not all. He also finds revealed in him the Savior of the world and realizes the absolute necessity of clinging to him for life. When he desperately clutches onto him, the awakened soul finds what his hunger that his hunger and his thirst for the Savior increases, just as it is promised. Now, according to the strength or weakness of his faith in his Savior, so is his joy and his peace. So is his love, pardon me, for holiness. So are his desires to know him more and to serve him more single-mindedly in this present world. You see in the description the wonderful work of God as he draws a soul close. This is one of the finest descriptions of the work of grace I've ever read. But he's not finished yet. And we do have some callers, and I'm going to put the book on hold. You're welcome to call at 877 534 0780. Oh, we lost a caller. Uh, You're welcome to call. I'd like to talk with you. And if a problem comes up with the phone, be persistent. Call and get through. He says, But although I say that this work of grace is partially discovered by the sinner, yet it is very seldom that he is able to conclude that this is a work of grace because of the corruption of his earthly nature and the continued faultiness of his reason. He is likely to misjudge the work that's going on inside of him. Therefore, in him who has this grace, there is required very sound judgment before he can, with some assurance, conclude that this is a work of God's grace. I want to stop and just add for you very quickly uh, that this work of grace does not take a long time. It's a very short period of time where men come to know Jesus Christ in his fullness. And I'm sorry, we're having some difficulty with our phones Uh, Please be persistent and call back. Hi, Andrew. Welcome. What would you like to share? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Um, my name is Andrew. I just want to testify because uh, God is good. You know, I'm I'm a 21 year old man, and I was blinded. You know, by by my environment, by my you know by my living situation, and by the area that I live in, and it was so much commotion and so busy. And I was trying to find the word of God, and I I just looked, and I was searching through the radio stations, and I I heard you talking. And it's very moving because you know I'm I'm becoming a man. I'm actually becoming a man. I'm a young man. I'm I'm working now. I, you know, I have a family, and and it was just so busy, and I wasn't really worried about God. I hate to say that, but I opened my eyes up one night, and I just and I just felt my heart crying, and I and I opened my heart up to the Lord, and it was just it's something that's beautiful, you know. And I I just want to spread the word, and I just want to let people know that you know it's real, and God is. And God blesses all of us. 
Andrew, God is so kind and so loving, and his mercy is so great, but that mercy he wants to express in bringing you to a place where you hate your sin and where you turn your back on it and renounce it, and the blood of Jesus will wash and break all of those bondages. He'll set you free. Yes. So I'm glad to hear from you. Yes, sir. And uh, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. What is your name again? My name is Ray Greenlee. Okay, Ray Greenlee, yes. And, and I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. If you have access to the Internet, go to nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll find a lot of helpful tools there for you. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I was trying to read the Bible, trying to in- interpret it, and I, I really couldn't. But um, I don't know if I want to extend this conversation, but if it's all right with you. Sure. I've seen, I seen a TV show, right, and people had near-death experience, and they were, they were telling me about their experiences, and they were talking about, about their experiences, and it just sounded so real, and it sounded so true about God and about Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I just broke down in, in tears. It was tears of joy. And I, I never felt anything like this, you know. I, and I just want to be a better man and a better person, you know, for my fellow man. Because I think at the end, all it, all it is is about love. I think it's about love and your faith. Yes. And what you've done for your fellow man and your friend. All that material stuff, it doesn't matter, you know, because we can't take that with us. But I think the one thing that we can take with us is our memories and our love, what, what we've done for our fellow man, you know. And I, I want to thank you. I don't know you, you know, you don't know me. I want to thank you for having this radio talk show because we need more people like you. There's so much hate in this world, politics and, you know, wars and stuff. There's so much hate. It's not enough It's not enough believers anymore. People are losing the faith. And I'm, I'm just thankful that I ran across this station today and it, it, it gave me a little motivation because I'm going through a lot in, in this world, but it, it's a small thing compared to a lot of other people. And I just want to say thank you, and I'm, I'm blessed that I ran across this radio station is it. Andrew, I'd like you to get connected with another young man who sounds very much like you, who is now walking straight in Jesus. Uh-huh. And, if, and if you don't mind, would you stay on the line and give your phone number to our uh, producer, and I'll give this number to this young man. His name is David Mooney. He lives over in Prince George's County. And I'd love to see you two guys get together. I think you have much in common. Yeah. Okay? So okay, ju- that's fine. Just stay on the line, and Eric will answer, and he'll take your phone number. Okay. Okay, thanks. Good to talk to you. Okay, God bless you. Bye-bye. Our phone number is 877 534 uh, we're almost out of time. If you'd like to call, you have to call very quickly. We're talking about this new awakening of the soul. It's the grace of God that works in your heart to produce sorrow and shame for sin. Eric's trying to get my attention. Eric, do you have his number? You need me to let go of it? (laughs) Okay. We're trying to get our signals straight. We're almost out of time today. Um, You know, I want to tell you, 
what's so vital is for this grace of God to really begin to work in our hearts, to turn us toward heaven. That's what it's about. And Andrew, I love your heart, that you're turned toward Jesus. And I know there are many of you listening like this who need this grace of God to work in your soul. It will produce conviction of sin, and it will totally change you and transform your life. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. With great joy, with great joy, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. With